0: All right, let's begin. Let's go ahead and get into the Word of God today. All right, let's do this thing.
1: All right. Hey, let me let me uh, ask you just to put you in a, a kind of a priming situation, putting you in a situation maybe that you haven't thought. Of, what was one of the most happiest times of your life? Now think about it. Think about it seriously. Put yourself in there. Okay. Now let me let me define this. Can you be in a happy place that isn't that great? Now, now think about this, because because if we're not careful, we're we're people of comparing. You know, this was my best, and I'm not happy until I'm at least there or better. I'm preaching to somebody. Come on, if you're waiting, you missed it. Let me tell you, I kind of I kind of have this thing, it, you know, that uh, I have my favorite restaurants, and, and sometimes I go to out of just difference. I go somewhere else, you know, and well, you know, this is okay, but you know. Now, I know that we can go all the way to third world country, and we're not having to decide on if we're going to eat. It's just where we're going to eat and what we're going to eat. But let me let me take it to what I'm trying to say quickly so I can go to my sermon. Uh, this Thursday night, I had the benefit of being with my family, not my children but my my mother, stepfather, my sister and brother-in-law. some of my favorite people outside of our church because you guys some at, throughout history has been even I've seen you more than them but I had the privilege of going out to eat with them and and I'm at a restaurant that is uh, I would say above average Joe T. Garcias come on now. So we're not just at a restaurant we're outside. There's plants, the water in the swimming pool next to us is bubbling, and I start thinking, "Come on, where could I be that I would enjoy just just being with family and friends?" And now, years ago, I'd say, "Well, it'd have to be a church, okay?" But but no, no, I wanted to be there that night. It's okay to enjoy. The presence of family and people that you love. And so this morning, we're in a place that I'll just be honest with you. It on on the average of John Miller's lifestyle, you know, I'd probably be doing something that chances are isn't better than just being here with you. And and when we get done with this message, hopefully you'll even understand more what I'm saying because God has chosen you. And, and if you're here today, you, you have a name, you have a body, you have a breath, you have a, a body that you can touch. You're part of mankind that God has given you authority. And, and, and oh, let me tell you, I'm, I'm so far, because I've already preached this sermon to myself so many times, I come back to right now and I go, just hold on. <clears throat> what we've been talking about, that that God has Loved us so much and remember that, that his he is love and, and when you go, yeah, God's love, you know, <laughs> peace, man. But but we're talking about God loves us so much that his love is running after us. Come oh, on, that that that's, that's crazy love. Okay, and, and when we start thinking about he he loves us so much that he was willing to to redeem us from a curse. Even to the point of sending his son to die for us. Come on, there, there shouldn't be too many bad days going on in our life. We can get we can get disappointed at you know the, the weather outside isn't like I th- we can do all that all the time because we compare with other things that we say well this is the best. But let me tell you when we begin to really and and I encourage you because in our lives we have so many distractions. And I'm not even looking right now, but some people have a phone, and boy, that thing can distract you from everything. John Miller knows it. But in the mornings, in the soft mornings, you know, get alone. If if not other times, but in the soft mornings when you get up and maybe your mind isn't all cluttered, and before your fifth cup of coffee when it really gets cluttered, just, just begin to meditate on the amazing love that God has for you that you're the righteousness in Christ Jesus <clears throat> the question this morning through our series is not does God have authority because i think all believers believe that he has authority and power but the question is do you as believers his children have authority when when you get to the place of realizing that you have authority and that God has given you authority on this earth, then all of a sudden there there has to be, it demands something in your life. Now watch this. This isn't always taught in church because the belief system that we have is that God is sovereign, God is powerful, God is has authority, God is endless, which is all true. But if we play the victim, if we play we're we're just little worm, you know, we're just we're just what then you realize that all responsibility is taken off of us and put on God. Therefore, when we hear sermons that say God has come to give us life to the full, to the abundant, to the overflow, and we go, yeah, I want that. But wait a minute, I don't have that. God must not love me. But when we realize that God has given us authority on this earth, then we have a paradigm shift. And there's a responsibility that is put on the believer to get in the Word of God and to begin to read the Word of God with an intent to have faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Not I've already heard that because a lot of people that are even theologians, even people that I know, that know the Bible better than I do, their faith level is so low because they have never
0: continued to be in the Word of God. I think when it shifts and you begin to feel the responsibility
1: of saying, God, today, put me in the right place at the right time to meet the right people, to bring about all that you've asked me to do in my life. And God, please help me be aware of it when it happens. Because all of us have 20 20 hindsight, you know what I mean? Oh, I missed that one, I missed that one. That, That doesn't glorify God to miss it. So the responsibility is, again, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's working in our life. Now, this morning, I just kind of want to state some things. And and we've come to the place where we realize that through the authority of the believer that God has given dominion to man in the Garden of Eden. And the book of Genesis proves that. And, And please, I don't have time if you haven't been here, but I'll just summarize some of this real quickly and go back and listen to the sermons. But in Genesis, God gives dominion to man to rule over the earth. Now, now, that was his word that he did that. If you, if you miss that, or if you have a problem with your belief system believing that, then, then this whole other area of our, our identity is going to be questioned by your belief system. When, when God came into the world and said, man, you have dominion over this earth, then the enemy comes in another way. Remember, the, the, in uh, Jesus is speaking in John chapter 10 that the good shepherd comes through the gate, But the thief comes over another way. The enemy came in through what we know as a serpent. And the only way that a spirit that does not have a body that can come into this earth is through the body. So through a serpent tempted Eve into believing through the temptations, that is the temptations of you and I, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, that they would be better if they disobeyed God in his will for their life. The Bible says that Eve looked, or Adam and Eve looked at the fruit, saw that it was pleasing to the eye and good for eating. They believed that what the serpent said, Satan said, that if they would eat of the fruit, that they would have the ability for their eyes to be opened and they would be as God. Not even stopping for a moment and seeing what amazing... uh, the amazing God's creation that they were. That they already had dominion. And that's what the enemy does in your life. And boy, let me tell you, doesn't it just sometimes get you sick and tired of being sick and tired of him doing that to us? That he comes in and he says, wait just a minute. You could have better if you do something different than what God said in your life. And again, through the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life that so many times we're tricked or we're tempted and then we choose out of our free will to disobey God. Adam and Eve leave the garden and then God is locked out of earth. Now listen to this, not because he's not powerful, not because he doesn't have sovereignty, but because of the sin that now has entered into the world of a perfect God a sinful man God chooses in the garden to begin a plan that was formed before the foundations of the earth that says even though your offspring Satan will bruise his heel, he'll crush your head talking about one day Jesus is going to come and redeem men mankind back to the original even better state that they were in before sin came into this world Through the act of covenant, through Noah, we know that Noah and the covenant that he made with him, the covenant of Abraham we talked about last week. And it was through the act of a covenant, which is stronger than a, a, a contract that you and I know of, a blood covenant that pagan religions have used throughout time of sacrificing their sons, something that is dearest to them, to their gods, Something, now listen to me, before we say this and kind of review last week, remember that God says in Deuteronomy and in Jeremiah, something that they do that God says has never been commanded by me for you to do or has never entered into my mind. When we talked about last week the covenant of Abraham and how God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac on the altar, it goes against the the. The, what we have is an identity or as a um, uh, who God is. Thou shall not kill. What, what, what's going on here, God? Why would you ask? Him? And sometimes that's where we stop and we just go, well, you know, that doesn't make. But when you realize, and Abraham knew something of the blood covenant, which again, the blood covenant is what is yours is mine and what is mine is yours. Even if I ask of your life, if it demands, if it demands it. Something that was dearest to Abraham was his son Isaac. Something that was promised to Abraham, even though he was 100 years of age and was really, come on, in all of our minds, impossible. But the Bible says that when Abraham is immediately and obedient, he goes and he's going to sacrifice Isaac. And Isaac says, hey, 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 daddy, I see everything for the sacrifice, but the sacrifice, where's the lamb? We went through this last week, and, and the thought is that Abraham says, Remember the, those words that, man, echo throughout eternity. He says, God will provide Himself a lamb. He does not kill a son because God stops him at the last moment, which then God says, Done. He credits Abraham just as he did the sacrifice of what was dearest to him, which then proved that mankind would do what he said, proving the covenant, which really gave legality, if you want to say it that way, that God's word was true, that he gave dominion to man. The covenant that Abraham provided then would prove that God could send his son as a sacrifice for mankind. So this morning, before we finish really the, the series next week, I'm going to take you, and as we start this morning, throughout generations, we as man have waited for the Messiah to come. You, you can look through the Old Testament. They eagerly waited for God to send the Messiah. They were looking. They were hoping that he would come. But they began to look and hope and expect him to come in a certain way. This is who God is. And when Jesus shows up, it's like blows their belief system out of the water. Remember, we know that when our belief system is challenged, something that is, listen, most Christians, you've got to fight this as a Christian, I have to fight it every day of my life, is our belief system wants to gravitate to the very easiest, predictable, familiar, comfortable way. Which means that we really don't ask God to do anything in our life and really doesn't expect anything out of us. And you know what? A lot of times it's very predictable what's going to go on. If you don't have faith, really you don't need God
0: Let's back up a little bit there. So when the people of the earth, our human
1: brothers and sisters that were walking around, they're expecting a king of kings to show up. And we're going to take the virgin birth and we're going to put it over here for Christmas time, okay? I'll speak on that in a couple months when the Christmas decorations come out. Remember that part. But But now, let's go, as we know, and, and a lot of religions keep Jesus as a baby. We don't worship Jesus as a baby, by the way. We don't. yet no, we don't. OK? He, he grew to be a man, 30 years of age, and now we're going to fit, start talking about what Jesus came to do. Here's Jesus. He starts his ministry. And I want you to look, and and some of you need to write down these passages of Scripture, but in John chapter 1 is the, the subject of the water baptismal. Then the next story we're going to talk about is the temptations in the wilderness, and then we're going to conclude with Jesus going to the synagogue and reading a passage of Scripture. The first one is the water baptismal. Now remember that, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan. It, it is out in the sticks. He's got camel hair on. I mean, he's kind of this wild guy. He's a prophet. He's kind of speaking the word of God, and people are coming out. I mean, they're, they're going out in the sticks to listen to John the Baptist. I mean, even the, the religious people really feared saying anything against John because of what he was standing for and who he was and how the people
0: responded to him. Not that Jesus needed any credibility. But it says
1: the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look! I love this. See, here's what's going on. And all of a sudden he goes, everybody's
0: attention over here. Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world.
1: Now, now think about this. When Isaac asked his father Abraham, where's the sacrifice? And he says, God himself will send a lamb. Hello? God has sent the lamb. So John says, here's the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. If you go to verse 32, it says this. Then John gave this testimony. In other words, he goes, hey, hey, it's not I heard. I was there. I saw with two eyes Jesus. Now watch what he says. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Can can I get something clear? It was not a dove. I go bird hunting and somebody that I went with went, I can't shoot with a dove. That's the Holy Spirit. Come on. The Holy Spirit, he's just trying to give a visual. This was something that was actual in physical, the physical realm. That there were, The Holy Spirit came and descended on Jesus. I, I want you to see, because it's so important. He, he, the, he came down, the Holy Spirit, come down from heaven as a dove and remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me, talking about God, sent me to baptize with water, told me, the man of whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, and I testify this, is God's chosen one. So everything that John was doing and saying, and all the he's saying, Jesus is the Son of God. Now again, this is a belief system for most of these people that are going, do what? Slow down got to have a little bit more than that John Now I want you to look at Luke chapter 4 and we're going to stay there the rest of the morning In Luke chapter 4 you can see how Jesus after being baptized begins his ministry And we know that one of the first the first miracle is turning water into wine but I want you to see in verse 3 of chapter 4 the temptation before this happens it says that he is led out into the wilderness. He fasts for 40 days. And then the devil comes in verse, uh, what is it, 3 there. And it says, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, what? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The second temptation, if you worship me, Satan says, all this will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The third temptation, do, do you understand? These are the lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. The third temptation is this. If you're the son of God, he's on the temple, he's at the top of the temple, he says, throw yourself down. Because the word of God, since you're so good, Jesus, on quoting the word of God, it says that if you dash your foot against a stone, an angel will take care of you. Come, go.
0: But Jesus says, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, I want, uh, this
1: is very important because through these temptations, again, the lust of the eyes, lust of the fish, flesh, and the pride of life, Satan is coming at the Son of God, which is now the Son of Man. Watch this. He has come to earth and he has
0: <laughs> a body. And, and I, I described it a couple weeks ago. We have a body. We are a spirit. We have a body. And we have
1: uh, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions.
0: A spirit does not have a body. We have a body. We have dominion on this earth.
1: The Bible says that when Satan came, he tempted Adam and Eve to give over their authority to the God of this earth, Satan. But but think about this. And and this is going to, this shakes our belief system. Is realizing that God sends his son to earth as a man in order to redeem us. Come on. Is it, we understand that He died for us.
0: But do you understand the love that He has for you and I, that He would come as a man? Through these temptations,
1: each time, just like with Adam and Eve, do you remember Adam and Eve and remember Eve's response to say, Well, he didn't really say that in how the enemy skewed the truth and took it out of context until finally they succumbed to the temptation. But Jesus wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to allow the enemy to be able to skew the truth or take it out of context in order for him to be disobedient to the way of God. Jesus overcame the temptations in the wilderness, but the Bible says that the enemy... Left him for a more opportune time. The next part of this story, I want you to talk, or I want to talk about, is when he leaves the wilderness. It, it's almost like he he begins to uh, enter into the ministry of telling people the good news is here. Wake up! Now, now he's been baptized. The Holy Spirit anointing is on his life. He goes into the wilderness and begins to pre, or begins to overcome the enemy, and then he goes to the temple, the synagogue, which is his custom. I love you know I'm a pastor and I love to go to church
0: and I love to be around church people, so I kind of like to put that it was his custom to go to church. If I want to kind of get outside a little bit of the line, Pastor I, you don't need to go to church.
1: Do you want to be like Jesus? It was his custom.
0: Oh, I want to be like Jesus. I better go to church. Anyway, anyway. In verse 13 of Luke chapter 4, again, we're just going to go down here.
1: He returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everywhere. And and everyone, it says, praised him. Now, Now, do you see? Things are going well. But he's about ready to say something of his reason for coming to earth. And people are going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Again, their belief system is going to be challenged. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. There it is. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him unrolling it he found the place see so he's purposely finding a place and he's not doing the old uh you know okay there it is no he, he's he's looking for it. he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet isaiah was handed to him isaiah was written hundreds of years earlier and it was a prophetic word in isaiah that was prophesying about the messiah coming and remember the Messiah, Christ, was going to redeem what the enemy did to the authority or the dominion of mankind, of the love God had for them. So it's handed to him and he he looks for that place and he finds a place where it was written. This is written. This is very important for you as a believer to hear this. So he reads this to the people there at the church The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Now, he had been baptized. The Holy Spirit had descended on him. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. What's the answer to the poor? The good news. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. What's the answer to the problem of a prisoner? Freedom. And recovery of sight for the blind. This one in heart. You might have missed the first two, but the third one is, what's the answer to the people that are blind? Sight. And to set the oppressed free. The answer to the oppressed is freedom. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Is there anybody in this place against favor? No!
0: Somebody that's asleep. Yes! No! Can you believe? Everybody's going, Amen. Yeah, Jesus, preach it until the next
1: words. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the tenant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them. The drum roll should have started these few words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then he took the mic, raised it above his head,
0: and dropped. No, it doesn't say that, but you know what that drop in the mic means. It's done. It challenged their belief system so much they begin to talk,
1: they begin to argue, they begin to to kind of uh, because their belief system is the fear on their back of no, no, I, I don't mess up the comfortable, the predictable, the familiar. You have a body.
0: You're not the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You look like us. Do you understand looking back through the word of God how
1: God is saying one day because of what Satan did to man, I am sending an offspring through man that's going to be God. Now, that's why it had to be a virgin birth. That's why when Jesus actually became a child, grew into a man like you and me, or a woman, mankind I'm talking about, when he had a body, then, after 30-some years of a sinless life, the anointing of God his Father, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased.
0: Now, he is anointed to become the sacrifice for man. He leaves the synagogue,
1: and in verse 31, he goes down to Capernaum, of Galilee. Now watch, all of a sudden, these things begin to happen pretty regu- regularly, and that's why we read the Scripture, and if somebody said, what happens in the, the New Testament, a person with little bit of Bible knowledge, goes, Jesus was going around healing the sick, and raising the dead, and killing fig trees, and moving mountains, and he was... Because this is, that's the part that they remember. But leading up to those things, we just read what happened. And it says when he goes down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, on the Sabbath, this is another Sabbath, he taught the people, they were amazed at his teaching because his words, they were different. Do you know what made his words different? They didn't understand that his words were life, not death. And by hearing life, 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 they said, he speaks with authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. (laughs) Talking about being in the wrong place at the wrong time, that demon-possessed man was in the wrong place. And he didn't even realize it until it was too late. was a man possessed by a demon and in pure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! I I like to kind of emphasize that instead of doing the, Go away. Go away! The demon is yelling in the church. Half of the church left before they knew he wasn't talking to them. I'm kidding. All right, here we go. Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, do you understand that Satan missed it totally? He knew who Jesus was, but he did not know,
0: I believe, that Jesus had authority. Paul says it in, in 2 Corinthians, the whole passage about,
1: I is not seeing my name not all that God has for us, but God has given us the Spirit. Before that, it says that the, The God of this world would not have crucified Jesus if he would have knew who he was. Because really what Satan did is he planted him, not knowing he's coming up in resurrection. So the demon, now this is part that just gets me, is how did that neat demon know who Jesus was? That was the Son of God. He's a spirit. He's taken possession of a body. The spirit, you know, the the Bible says that when a spirit is cast out, it'll go and it'll find desert places. And if it doesn't find it, come back to it and bring seven spirits. I I believe that a spirit, as your spirit, can test. There's just something wrong in this atmosphere. Have you ever done that? Maybe you've never felt a demonic spirit, but maybe you felt the presence of God when you've been in this church. And you go, wow. our spirit that demonic spirit was testing who's this coming oh my goodness how did he know who Jesus was before the fall of Satan and a third of his demons or the third of the angels remember that he worshipped Jesus and all of a sudden he's on this earth tormenting this body this man and all of a sudden he goes out and goes what I know who that is He's the king, and he goes, Jesus, you're the son of God. Now, think about this. Why would Satan and his demons testify that the fact that Jesus is the son of God? All the people that are around are still going, I'm not sure. Do another miracle. I'm hungry. Give me a little bread and fish. Give me, give me. They continually do that. Even on the ascension of Jesus after the crucifixion and resurrection and Jesus is about ready to ascend it says
0: some of the people there are still in doubt. But the demonic spirit is why would he do that? Here's one thought
1: is the only reason he would do that if it was to his goodness or if it was to his advantage. And he's saying Hey, God, you don't have authority on this earth. You can't cast me out.
0: But Jesus now has come as a man and has a body. And he says, I, I love this. You, you want to talk about authority? Jesus says, shut your mouth. He says, shut your mouth and come out of him
1: and he says it here be quiet he says sternly come out of him then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him now look at all the people it says all the people were amazed and said to each other what words are these and with what authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out and as you would expect, news begins to be spread throughout all the surrounding areas. In verse 38, he begins to walk, and again, his authority. Jesus left the synagogue and went into the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her, so he bent over, and look, through his words, he rebukes the fever, and it left her. And she got up once, at once and began to wait on him. Some people say that Peter denied Jesus because he healed his mother-in-law.
0: I did not say that. Verse 40 says, At sundown or sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various
1: kinds of sicknesses. And, and let me just say this. What is your sickness or your loved one's sickness? Jesus healed them all. There's not a new one that wasn't that He isn't able to heal. And laying His hands on each one of them, He healed them. Moreover, listen to this: demons came out of many people. There's more demons that have ran havoc on the people of Earth, and they're just possessing their body. And it says they that came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Can can you get this? The demonic spirits that are causing grief among mankind are realizing now Jesus has come as a man to redeem man from the sin or the curse of what Satan had stolen from him. Remember, Genesis chapter 3, I want to remind you, God is talking to Satan, and I will put enemy between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Listen, he, talking about Jesus, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, next week we're going to talk about how our champion comes into the arena that the enemy will fight and fight and fight against him. But I want you to see as Jesus, our champion, steps on to the the stage of mankind and begins to do things that have never been done, he comes for the purpose. Because when the time comes for his crucifixion, it says in Luke chapter 9, he gathers up his courage and stilled, I love that word, he steeled himself
0: for the journey to Jerusalem, to the cross. Do you understand at this
1: point, just right in this time period, it says in Romans chapter 5, you see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It says, very rarely will somebody even die for a righteous person, but God demonstrated His own love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you, do you understand that, it seems like days ago, but months ago, when we talked about the prodigal son and the waiting father, and we talked about how the older brother, you know, says, you know, you never gave me anything, and how. But see, our older brother was totally different, Jesus. He left and went looking, so to speak, for the prodigal son, us. He came to seek and to save those that were lost. And see, throughout time, as believers, we we come to that fact. That's why we repent and come into the family of God. There's some people out there that, again, they don't even think that they're lost. Until sometimes they hit rock bottom and then they say, nobody can love me, including God.
0: Here's our Savior, and he comes while we were yet sinners. The Lamb of God, slain from the foundations of the world,
1: is cutting covenant with mankind. Now, I want to kind of conclude here, because I want to go when he goes on to the cross, but I want you to see this. A lot of times we get to this place and go, but, but we're not Jewish. We're, not, we're Gentiles. Does that apply to us? When, when was that? See, the Word of God is the Word of God, and you have to come to grips if you believe that it is, it is the Word of God. If you believe it's the Word of God, in Galatians chapter 3, it says this. <clears throat> Hold on to this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. But listen, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus.
0: So that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I don't know about you, but... I I'm glad that the blessing of Abraham has come on me. And by faith, I I receive it. By faith.
1: And by receiving it, I receive the Spirit of God working in my life. And so many times when you get down and you're talking to somebody over coffee that's not a believer, they want to grapple with you, wrestle about, well, how's that work? Now, Now, remember this. The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So, So what I'm saying is this, is as we're walking this out by faith, not by feelings, man, I hate my feelings. I can let my emotions take over me. I can be crying, I can be sad, I can be laughing, I can be
0: whatever. But I've got to know down deep inside that keeps me balanced. That God is love. He doesn't have love. He
1: doesn't wake up with my emotions and go, Not today, John.
0: Not getting away with that. I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I'm
1: not righteous but I'm righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross for for me. The Bible says that God made him that knew no sin to be sin, that I might be his righteousness in him. Again, I'll say it again to clarify,
0: God doesn't love me because I'm special, but I'm special because God loves me. Now realize, when you begin
1: to understand this and God reveals it as you're spending time with Him this week, this this is what lights the candle. This is when you get alone with God or you you come to church and worship starts. You might have had a bad morning. You might have had a bad week. You might have had a bad second right here. You just bit your tongue. Come on, whatever it is.
0: But all of a sudden, you begin to think about this: how much God loves you. It should put a smile on your face. God, I, I don't have enough money for Christmas.
1: God, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where where we're going to eat Thanksgiving dinner. God, I, I, I don't know if, if I, my car is going to... Do you know all the problems that we can have in our life? Throughout the course of eternity, let, let's stay forward-focused. That yeah. God has a plan and He's carrying out the plan and I'm convinced that He'll bring it to completion what He began a good work in us. Oh, come on, I'm ready to go. Oh, come on, let's pray. Father, as we leave this morning... I pray that as we leave this place, that we do not leave blinded of your goodness in our life. There is nothing too hard for you. And Father, I pray that as we walk this revelation out in our life, we get into the Word of God for ourselves, that we become self-feeders. The Father, that we begin to open up our eyes of our heart through the Holy Spirit revealing things to us. And Father, that we begin to walk out the identity that you have for us, that we take responsibility to be in your word, to walk in love with people. People that are not loving God, we
0: choose to be loving to. God, the cross is not foolishness to us, but it is power to us. Father, we love you so much. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for
1: us and what you're doing for us. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. Typically at the end of the service, I don't have two big guys come up and stand in in front.
0: I'm assuming you have something to say.
2: (laughs) I guess I did, sorry. Um, that was awesome. I mean, just not even uh, abandoning that. That sermon was great. But uh, on that, um, just celebration of the sermon and the word that was brought, uh, many of you may know uh, about or heard about what's called Pastor Appreciation Month. It's a big deal. Mm. It's a really big deal. Maybe some of you have been wondering what we're going to do this year. Our board has, I'm sure, a, a plan. They always put up something really great for our pastors, and we love our board for how much they love our pastor and how much they pour into them, um, but I just want to share with you something because it's 30 years it'll be this year, guys. That's a long time. And I just want to share. I've been, Mom, it's been what, 15, 15 years about for us here, and uh, and that's not a competition thing. That's just, that's like, it's fif- it's been 15 years. I sometimes have to, I'm 26, but I have to ask my wife sometimes, how old am I? But but because uh, I want to be a 12-year-old, yeah. <laughs> if I'm honest, and it, and it was like about 12 or 11 when I came, and uh, man, there. Are, so my mom and dad are wonderful parents, wonderful parents, but Pastor John and Miss Gwen have been parents to me in another way. I'm telling you, when I was a kid, and I'm sitting with Heath and Mark, and I'm chatting in the middle of his sermon, right? <laughs> I'm just being a disruptive child. And I see, I see Pastor John look over and glance, and he's giving us the look, and we're thinking, "Oh, we're in trouble," you know. <laughs> After service, I mean, it was it was going over at, on Sunday evenings, uh, you know, and even for lunchtime over at their house and like sitting with them and fellowshipping with them. It was like church was this, but it was also at home, you know. And it was like you, you grew up and you had these heroes, you know, that were just larger than life, and and you didn't really. Uh, and start to notice them until you start getting a little older and you realize everything they said was so true and it's still ingrained in me <laughs> praise god they they devote their lives 30 years okay i i don't know very many pastors who reach 20 30 years that are doing more things most of them do retirement most of them like step back and that's okay sometimes but i'm telling you they devote themselves so much that pastors going I could sit back, but I'm not gonna cuz I got a plan and there's a coffee shop out there and there's a retail space out there. There's a there's another building that's going to be out there. Not too many pastors are doing more in their time that they spend. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he pours into you. I can tell you if you've got family that you've brought here that are in the children's church ministry, if you've got people who are friends or if you've came here because maybe you visited Axiom Coffee Shop, and, and that, uh, you know, you heard about this church, and you came on a Sunday, it's, it's, it's because of them. It's because of what God is doing within them, and what he has done within them, and so we have to honor them. <laughs> I'm telling you, 30 years is, is a, it's a, it's a landmark for sure, and that's reason enough, but even if it was 29 or 27, or if it was, you know, whatever number you want to throw up there, it is so worth it to bless them beyond compare. If you're wondering what we're doing, we are doing some stuff. Our young adults. We've 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 put up this challenge already. We've already challenged ourselves to give and bless them beyond measure. What we could possibly ever do. We were just like we're throwing everything we can at them because we couldn't do what we're doing over there if it wasn't for them, and we wouldn't be able to do it here. So, I just wanted to you know share my heart with that. Mark has has more to share on that.
3: Yeah. Well. Um. Beautifully said, uh, Justin. Um.
2: You know and. Our pastor's talking
3: about grafting us, us being grafted into the covenant of Abraham. In Genesis 24, in the, verse, the first verse, it says, God blessed Abraham in every way, every way. He blessed him in every way. The other day, I was talking to my mom and dad, you ready? They're, they're, they'd get mad if they knew I was going to do this, they would never let me plan this. I'm gonna just kind of pull back the curtain. I was talking to him. I was like, where would you go? Like, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? Talking about a trip, you know? I can feel the pressure coming right now. I talked to him. I said, where would you go? And he said, well, you know, we'd go anywhere we could, you know, but it's a question of if we sell another cow, you know, or something like this. I thought, yeah, man, we do need to sell another cow. And then I thought, don't you have a full-time job where you've worked for 30 years? How about a little Christmas bonus, yeah? 30 years? Come on. I'm not even 30 years. He it was, it was, it was like right at my age when he, when he took the church. Aren't we blessed? Faithfulness like Abraham, aren't we blessed to watch it lived out, not just talked about? I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed. Most of the time I take it for granted. Okay, I'll be honest about myself too. But man, I sit back every once in a while and it amazes me. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge myself. Let's give like we've never given before because I've never seen pastors like this before. So I, there is no point of reference here. Because I just haven't seen any pastors who have stayed with the church for 30 years. So I have no point of reference other than speak to the Lord and ask him, what would he have you give? Out of the gratitude of your heart towards your pastors that you love, that love you, that are wonderful. So, I think if we do, if you give online or if you give on the envelope, Pastor Appreciation, that's the perfect address to do it. Ms. Twyler, I'm sure, um, will be able to figure that out. But um, if you do that, um, then they'll be able to know when Twyler gets it, what goes towards her. And we love our pastors. Amen. Amen.
1: and that's why we have a filter before they get up here anyway (laughs) thank you so much we love you guys why don't you stand with me be blessed you can stay you just
0: can't stay here all right you're dismissed (laughs) have a great day